The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 10th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Text for this morning, the gospel lesson read to us a few moments ago by Pastor Sam. And at the very end of that reading, Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Believing in Jesus is seeing that abundant life working itself out in our relationships, in our work, in our schools, regardless of the immediate circumstances of our life, Jesus is the one true shepherd and he is the gate through which we must enter to experience the abundant life that only he can give. Jesus is the true shepherd and the gate. That's what we have to learn again today. So first, Jesus is the true shepherd. Now his words are set against the backdrop of the episode recorded in chapter 9, which we studied just a few weeks ago, back before Easter. It's the account of Jesus healing a man born blind. And what you need to remember is that the religious leaders, that is the appointed spiritual shepherds of God's people, became so infuriated with this formerly blind man's testimony about Jesus that they berated, they condemned, and they finally cast him out of the synagogue. That's who Jesus has in mind when he talks about thieves and robbers. And it's not a particularly new problem. If you go back to the Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter 34, God through his prophet Ezekiel berates the shepherds of Israel. That is the religious leaders of Ezekiel's day for slaughtering the choice animals, clothing themselves with wool, and yet failing utterly to look after the flock. God commanded Ezekiel to speak thus, 
You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So let's talk for a few minutes about the spiritual thieves and robbers in our own day. The ones that, that, that sneak in and that will steal your peace and your strength on the one hand and the power to live truly transformed lives on the other. In 2005, Christian Smith published the results of a massive nationwide study entitled Soul Searching. The Religious and Spiritual Lives of American Teenagers. And in that work, he coined the phrase deistic, therapeutic moralism as the summary of what he had found. Now, not only is it kind of fun to say and impress your friends, well, you know, that sounds like a lot of deistic, therapeutic moralism to me. It actually captures an enduring image of what I think most people mean when they say, oh, I believe in God. De deistic simply means that there is a generic, no-name God, some random sense that there is something bigger out there than us, but we don't, we don't really know what it is. Therapeutic? Meaning that this generic, no-named God is like a therapist who, who's there if we need him to help us, especially when life gets too difficult for us to handle on our own. And moralism, well, that's simply the result of believing in this no-named God that leads us to try, well, just, just try and be nice people. Now, if that's accurate, and I have found it to be spot on, among many who claim to be Christian, it begs the question, where did they learn that? Except from the preaching and the teaching of their religious leaders, the spiritual shepherds of our day. And we're robbed. We're robbed not only of peace and strength, but the power to live truly transformed lives. Here's another thief. The alignment of Christianity with any political party or economic system, as if you can fit Jesus into one or the other without lopping off his limbs in the process. I'm reminded of the person who said Jesus is not from the left, nor is he from the right. Jesus is from above. Which means he does not fit neatly into any one agenda. He transcends them all. And so people are abandoning the church, so-called organized religion, and yet the thieves and the robbers are still out there waiting. 
I was driving to the airport Tuesday morning, and I, and I heard a fascinating interview with a man named Rain Wilson. Now, if you don't know, he's the actor who played Dwight Schrute on the wide, wildly popular TV series, The Office. And if you've never seen it or even heard of it, I guarantee you that your children or grandchildren have watched every episode multiple times. Wilson, it turns out, is a follower of the Baha'i faith. A religion that was founded in the 19th century that teaches the essential worth of all religions and the unity of all people. And so he's written a recently published book, Soul Bloom, Why We Need a Spiritual Revolution. Asked by the interviewer, how do you know there is a God? Wilson answered, I know that I love. I know that I love my wife. I know that I love my son. I know that I love my father who passed away a few years back. Actually, not a bad answer. On the certainty of his belief, he said, the first step is knowing that there is a creative force in the universe is to know that there is love. But I also know that there is beauty, that there is art, that there is music, and all these things that are ineffable and transcendent are footprints. These are the handholds on the path to finding the great mystery. Some truth in that statement as well. The problem as Rain sees it, there has been a profound loss of the sacred in contemporary Western civilization. civilization. Nothing is sacred anymore. And I think, he says, that sacredness and holiness is part of the conversation that we need to have collectively. I mean, we can certainly experience it in nature, and for religious people, we can experience it in holy sites. But how can we nurture the sacred as a condition in our hearts that we can carry with us so that a conversation like we're having can be sacred? Well, that's not completely wrong either. But there is no Jesus. Or if there is, Jesus is just one of the many paths to finding your own way to God. And underneath all of them, the people of God are fleeced and they are robbed not just of peace and of strength, but of the power to live truly transformed lives when the dynamic tension between the law and the gospel of God's word is lost. Now, what do I mean? 
Well, think of it like this. If God's word, that is the Bible, and all the teachings drawing from it are like a giant spring, then the law and the gospel are what compress the spring. And when they are held in tension with one another, the power of God is released into our lives. Now, if I turn, turn loose of the gospel end... And every Sunday I get up in this pulpit and I preach, look, you all are a bunch of no good, dirty, rotten, lousy, stinking, miserable excuses for human beings who deserve to burn in hell forever and you better get with it and act better this week or God's going to get you. One of two things will happen. Number one, you'll stop coming because who wants to listen to that every week? Or number two, you will become a self-righteous hypocrite, blinded to your own faults and hyper-aware of everyone else's. But if I turn loose of the law end and every Sunday I preach, oh, don't worry, be happy. Jesus died for you. You love to commit sins, I have good news, God loves to forgive sins. Look, go do whatever makes you feel good and make me, meet me back here next week to get some more forgiveness. One of two things will happen. Either one, you'll stop coming, people, because you can do that all by yourself without having to listen to it for 20 minutes a week. Or number two, you will never, ever grow into the person that God created you to be humbly and boldly living the life of freedom and of joy and of sacrifice and renewal that you were created for. How will you know the true shepherd Jesus? From all of the thieves and all of the robbers that are out there who will steal your peace and your strength and the power to live truly transformed lives. Well, look. The sheep hear Jesus' voice. Faith comes by hearing. And he calls them by name. This is, this is personal and intimate. As true God, one with the Father and with the Holy Spirit, Jesus knows every detail of your life. Jesus is the one and only shepherd because he went before you through this broken mess of a world, trusting perfectly in the Heavenly Father. Jesus is your true shepherd, people, because he is the only one who willingly marched into death and hell itself in order to break their power over you. Jesus is not just one of many ways to God. Jesus is God. Who dies on a cross to rescue you. 
Jesus is the only one who rose from the dead so that he can say in the very next chapter of John, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Oh, and what's the title of this sermon series? Believing is Seeing. Now look, in case you thought that Christianity was a no-brainer, I need you to think again, because your human nature, fallen and broken as it is now, is not keen on believing that there is only one way to God. And in fact, it is insulting to us to hear that we cannot, by our own reason or strength, believe in Jesus or come to him, but the Holy Spirit must call us by the gospel, which is the good news that you're hearing again right now that Jesus lived and died and rose again for you personally. But look at Jesus' persistence and his patience. It's breathtaking. Wherever you are, wherever you have been, whatever you've done or not done, whatever has been done to you, Jesus will not give up on you. He is the true shepherd and he is calling your name again right now in this message. He is the door into the life that you are looking for. For the life, in fact, that every human being is searching for, whether they know it or not, is a life of peace and strength to be able to live truly transformed lives. Enter through Jesus. Believe that he is who he says he is, true God and true man, that he's done what he claims to have done, crucified and risen again, and you will find the abundant life that only he can give. And if you look closely at the end of this passage, you will discover that that abundant life consists of two priceless treasures, security and satisfaction. Whoever enters by Jesus will be saved. Now that's the security that starts right now and will never end. Later in chapter 10, Jesus will say, no one can snatch the sheep out of the Father's hand. And when you add that to other places where Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then add the words of Paul, an early follower of Jesus, who wrote to the Christians in Rome, nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord enter through Jesus and find your security in him and then with that security satisfaction you see what it says you will go in and out and find pasture abundant life now, what is this abundant life? Well, one commentator put it like this. 
within the metaphorical world of sheep and shepherds, abundant life suggests fat, contented, flourishing sheep not terrorized by brigands. Outside of the narrative world, that is in your everyday life, it means that the life that Jesus' true disciples enjoy is not simply construed as more time to fill, merely everlasting life, but life at its scarcely imagined best. Life to be lived. Abundant life. Not just more time to fill up with more and more stuff, but life at its scarcely imagined best. Life to be lived. Jesus leads us in to our worship gatherings, to our spiritual formation groups, our Bible studies, our catalyst small groups, wherever two or three are gathered together in his name, where we learn to hear his voice. And then he leads us back out into the world to live truly transformed lives. Participating in, being part of the community connections where we're bringing the power of life in Christ into our families, to our friends, our co-workers, our classmates, our neighborhoods, and even to people that we've never met before through the work of his church around the world. Jesus is the true shepherd and he is the gate. He's calling you by name to enter and find life, abundant life, safe and satisfied right now and forever. Amen. Now the peace that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in this true faith, the life everlasting. Amen.